Good morning. This never gets easy. <laughs> Embrace it. Who said that? <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Yes, but it's good. It's a good privilege. My name is David Sluka. I'm the worship pastor here, and in case you uh, are visiting with us, we're going to open up our Bibles to Colossians 3.16, and maybe by the end of today, you'll have that memorized. Colossians 3.16, one verse. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Jim and the rest of the team uh, for leading us in worship this morning. They do a really good job. They do it with humility, and um, we are blessed. We're blessed in this church to have people who are willing to use their talents in a way that glorifies God and not themselves. That's not just up here. That's also in the sound booth there, um, running the soundboard and the lyrics. And, and uh, something that happened this morning, uh, we have somebody who was supposed to run live stream, Dave, Dave Archer, and he is sick. Um, so I got a text from Noah Hummerkhouse asking if he was on. And I said, no, you're not, but uh, you can be. <laughs> and uh, so he volunteered to run live stream for us. And I just, man, I love stuff like that. Someone who sees a need and is willing to fill that. Um, so, I, again, everyone who serves up here and everyone who serves behind the scenes, you have a huge job. And I just want to say thank you. And I think we should all say thank you. Let's give them a hand of, round of applause. Yeah. And that being said, if you'd like to help in the sound booth or in the live stream, my goodness, there's a place for you. But seriously, have a conversation with me. There's someone who's uh, uh, asked about drums that I have to meet with sometime very soon. I'm excited to do that. Um, but uh, seriously, if you have a desire to serve the Lord in either the worship team or, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, just uh, reach out to me and we'll get together. We'll talk about what that looks like. Um, so it's actually been almost four years since I got to preach a sermon that was about uh, corporate worship and music. And so as your worship pastor, I'm very excited today to talk about that topic. Um, so everyone who volunteers on the worship team, no matter where we're at, we have a goal. And it's based on Colossians 3.16. It's one of the few teachings in the New Testament about music in the body of Christ as we gather together like we do right now. We might call that in modern times. And um, there's plenty of teachings in the Old Testament about uh, singing and music. Did you know that? There's a pretty big book with 150 chapters in it. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Psalms. So uh, Psalms, you know, there's all kinds of singing and exhortation and prayers and, and, and expression of worship. Raising your hands, did you know that that's biblical? That's a good thing. It doesn't mean that we have to do it, but it's a great way to express worship to the Lord. And, I'm, uh, and there's, there's musical instruments that are listed in the Bible, and I'm, I'm thankful for all that stuff. But what I'm talking about is corporate singing and music in the church today, um, like under the New Covenant. What's that supposed to look like? And uh, I think that if you were to go into 10 different churches this morning, you'd probably see 10 different ways of how to do it. And that's okay. Yeah? Is that okay? You're not going to look up, uh, you know, the Bible passage that says what genre you're supposed to be doing. You're not going to find Southern Gospel in there. Sorry. <laughs> you also won't find the word contemporary in there. So maybe we're all in trouble. 
But you also won't find like a mandate on a worship leader or a team in front of everybody, you know, that we all stare at. You're not going to find anything about how loud it should be, like, or at least from the soundboard's perspective and, you know, that kind of, I mean, you know, that, that's just what we're used to because we're Americans. <laughs> and, and I know that, uh, you know, the team that went to Guatemala, they probably saw a little bit different way of doing worship. It was probably something we could learn from, you know. Um, and that's okay. Like, we're not all supposed to be the same. It might be really boring if we were all the same. Um, but something that I was challenged to do four years ago was just to, without assumptions and without my experience and bias and preferences, ask the question, does God's word say anything about what our corporate singing should look like? And are we doing what it says? And so out of those few passages in the New Testament, Colossians 3.16 seems to be the clearest to me. Let's go ahead and pray. And uh, then we'll talk about this verse and we'll squeeze everything we can out of it. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to talk about your word. And I thank you that it is clear. It is all we need. You are all we need. We don't have to come up with anything. But I just pray for uh, just a spirit of humility, starting with me, Lord, as we think about the topic of music. And may we seek to glorify you and, and do what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So Colossians 3.16, let's take a look at it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's a pretty simple direction, isn't it, from Paul. He writes something very simple. Um, to the Colossians, he says something very similar in Ephesians 5. And uh, what's the primary method of music in that verse? You guys are like whispering. What? Singing. Yeah? It's, <laughs> it's not hard, y'all. It's just singing. It's, but it, it's, maybe it's just kind of weird because, you know, we have a whole lot of other things happening but what's, what's the primary method here? What was the church like in Acts? And it was singing. And singing what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And some of you probably got really excited when you say, Ah, see, it says hymns. <laughs> and that's okay. But it also says spiritual songs. What are those? Any songs about God that are true. So that kind of takes everything and lumps it together, doesn't it? And psalms. So we got a great... Uh, example in the Psalms of what to sing. And why are we singing? It is to teach and admonish one another. Okay? What are we teaching and admonishing one another with? It's in the beginning of the verse. The word of Christ. There's no musical style or preference listed there. Um... So according to this verse, we just have the most important things, the things that need to be present when we are singing together. And uh, I can make them pretty simple, I think. The most important thing is the content, the gospel, the word of Christ. That's, that's the first important thing. The second thing is an action, singing. Okay? And then third is an attitude, thankfulness. The gospel, singing, and thankfulness. That's it. How often do we say, that's it, we can go home? We probably could. <laughs> Those are the most important things, and that is what we believe our corporate worship should look like and be all about. It's not complicated, and it's not supposed to be. 
uh, to put it into like a simple sentence, the goal of our corporate worship is to help our people sing out the gospel with thankfulness both to God and to each other. Okay? Now, there certainly could be some more things that happen uh, in our worship service and um, in regards to singing, but what we're shooting for is those three big things, and God can do whatever he wants, all right? But, but uh, there's a good reason why these things would be the most important. Um, and again, we have all kinds of things that happen in our service together. We also have some prayer and fellowship and, um, and preaching the word, preaching truth, uh, so this is, this is just zeroing in on what's the music supposed to be about, okay? So we are going to talk about these three elements, the gospel, singing, and thankfulness, and how they flesh out in our corporate worship. So there you go. One verse. Get ready to squeeze. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a piece of fruit, squeezing juice out. That's what I mean. One verse. Let's get everything we can out of it. So in the first phrase of Colossians 3.16, we have the beginning of a command. What is that command? It is to let the word of Christ dwell in you. So what's the word of Christ? The Bible, that's good. Yeah, it is the Bible. Uh, Certainly when Christ speaks, God speaks. So at this point, we want that to be a given around here. The word of Christ is certainly the word of God. And uh, because when we are singing songs, we're teaching each other, whether we know it or not, and we need to make sure that what we're teaching each other is something that God says. It's very easy to think, well, that sounds pretty good about God, so I'm going to sing it. Or I've heard other people say that, so that's true. I'm going to sing that. So we, that, that's a given. Didn't used to be a given, unfortunately. <laughs> I come from a pretty broad background, not just like the way I was raised. I was raised very well. Thanks, Mom and Dad. But I, I mean, you, just, you start to see things and the way people do things and think, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. And not necessarily. So, but really we're talking about the word of Christ that saves you. Again, real specific about this. Uh, Because one verse earlier, we are commanded to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. The peace. How do we have real peace? By letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That's the only thing that really brings peace. It's the gospel. And... um, you know, that, that's not just like, uh, that's not a simple thing necessarily. It's all things that pertain to Christ, who he is, how he lived, how, like on earth, because he still lives, um, how he lived, how he died, why he died, and then rising again, and what that means for hell-bound sinners like us. That is the word of Christ that brings peace. How much are we supposed to let that word be in us? Good job, Bennett. You can, again, this is class participation here. Richly. Richly. You know how much richly is? A lot. (laughs) That's all I've got to say about that. A lot. Something that needs to dwell in us, to live in us, to fill us up on the inside and in abundance. Why? Because the gospel means everything to us. We have nothing without the gospel. Dudes, (laughs) we got nothing without the gospel. We have zero hope without that. We can put hope in ourselves. And if we're really honest, that's not a good place to put our hope. 
It's not a good place to put your hope in, in other people, as awesome as they are, as awesome as you are. Man, or your circumstances, money comes and goes pretty quick. Longevity. And so we shouldn't have hope in those things. The reason is because we're supposed to have all those things in a relationship with God. In the very beginning, that's the way it was supposed to be. Did you know that God did not create you to be some miserable being that never has enough in life? Are you with me? He didn't create you to be miserable. He doesn't love your misery unless it makes you think about him when you didn't before. And that's a good thing. In the very beginning, God created people and they were the happiest they ever needed to be or should be. They were satisfied. They were comforted. They would never die. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like their bodies would never wear out and get wrinkly. They wouldn't fall apart. There was none of this waking up in the morning going, oh, you know, that increases the older we get. Yeah? There was none of that. There was none of the sickness. Awful sickness. Not, a, not an ounce of that. That's not the way God created things. But it became broken, didn't it? That wicked serpent, the devil. He convinced Adam and Eve that somehow there was more to be had. God didn't create everything good. He couldn't have. He's holding out on you. And they believed that. And how often do we do that? Think that God's holding out on you somehow? Oh, man. It was, we had enough in the beginning, but it was broken. It was infected by sin, which is just as simple as disobeying God, right? And we all do that. We're all sinners. And because of that, we get condemned to hell. Now, you might go, come on, David. Are we really going to talk about this again? Like, how can we come up with something new? People don't flock to the church when you start talking this way. <laughs> We're all condemned to hell. And so to you, I would say, let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Because we cannot understand how good God is if we first understand how, unless we first understand how bad we are. And bad is a pretty soft word. We are revolting to the one who created us. Wait a minute. Doesn't God love us? Yeah, he sure does. And that's what makes the cross so amazing. But we gotta, we got to understand the scum that we are first. And let's just, let's just put this out there. I, I'll be the first to say, I will minimize my sin against a holy God. Well, it wasn't that bad. I know some people who were pretty bad. Don't you? You can all think of somebody. And man, we're missing it if that's what we do, y'all. <sighs> like, it's because I think God's holy. He's perfect in all of his ways, infinitely. And we have trouble thinking about infinite because we've never seen it before, right? I think if we use that word and it's apart from God, it's false. And I know you've probably done this before. We talk about it a lot. But like you ever go out in, in the evening and look up at a star or the stars? You ever done this? <laughs> Once. Once. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I encourage you to do that. And I, and I hope that you have this thought. Those things are way out there. And, and God is there. 
and he's not there at some tiny little dot. He's at something that swallows up a lot of what we know. <laughs> the earth and our solar system, there's stars out there that can swallow our solar system. He's there, he's here, he's everywhere in between. He's not just words on a page. He's living, he's vibrant, and he's bigger than you've ever seen. And the word big is wrong because that implies a limit. He has no limit, right? And all that God is, is like that. Picture it. Through the roof, up to the stars. That is how big he is and beyond. And that's how holy he is. That means that's how far set apart from evil he is. How, how far he is from anything that's even a little bad. He's also that much big, like in goodness. He's that good. He's that generous. He did not create us missing a single thing, guys. Like, we, you ever crave something? <laughs> ever? That, didn't, that wasn't a thing in creation. And he is that worthy of perfect obedience. Has anybody in here ever obeyed God perfectly? <laughs> It's going to be a good day with me and Andy today. <laughs> but I'm with you, dude. Well, you know, maybe on my good days. No, on my best days and on my worst days, there ain't no way I'm following God perfectly. And so it's not about how big my sin is. It's about how big God is, how big his holiness is. He is that just to take one little sin, what we might call it a little sin, and condemn somebody to hell because that's who he is. He is all that is good. And there's one answer for all sin. It's death and it's wrath. And it's right that it is that way. Yeah? yeah. I promise it gets good. <laughs> because you just, you got to acknowledge the fact that none of us are really doing that great. Okay? Like on our best day, we do not measure up. That's what makes the cross beautiful, yeah, crazy. There is no reason that, that Jesus should have died on the cross for our sin. So I, I love this. I've heard it said many times. If you want to know how much God hates sin, look at what he did to his own son. His own son, who had never sinned, would never sin. He's God. He's perfect. He's holy. His son takes our sin. And puts it on himself. And what does God do? He condemns him. He crushes him under his wrath. Dang. God loves us. But he hates sin. I, don't, it's, it's, I still have trouble reckoning those two things together. At the same time. God hates sin. And he hates sinners. Yet he loves them, and he shows us that by what he did to his son on the cross. He spared no expense. And we didn't earn that. You see how ridiculous it would be to say that, oh yeah, I earned that. How good do you think you are, man? And, and, and look at the stars, Look at, think infinite about God, man. We just don't make it, and God knows that, and he loves us, and it's crazy. Why should he love us? He just does. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us. We got that song, uh, What a Beautiful Name, that we sing around here sometimes. And it says, uh, uh, what does it say? Let me think for a second. The wheels are spinning. You didn't, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you sent heaven down. 
And as we think about our us and who we are, how, how is that possible? Man, it's just, he's a lot bigger than we think in all respects. So we incurred a debt that we could not pay, but Jesus paid it, and he paid it in full. And then God declared to our accuser, the devil, and his demons, and to all of creation, that it was enough by raising Jesus from the dead and saying, it's enough, it's declared, it's once and for all. We are justified in the sight of God if we will receive that gift from him. So we can and we should go on and on and on about this. May we never get tired of it. And if we start to get tired of it, let's just pray, Lord, make me, make me overjoyed about the gospel because it is the best news we'll ever get. Amen. So that is the word of Christ. That's the beginning of it. And that's what we need to let dwell in us richly. Okay? It's the gospel. And that then needs to be the primary content of what we sing about. Amen. And it's really good. It's not like we're leaving a lot out right there. <laughs> you know, it's good stuff. So this takes us to... The second thing, the most important thing that's happening in our worship service with music, and that is singing. Okay, so let's look at that verse again. Squeeze a little harder on it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we have this command let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and that gets fulfilled by teaching and admonishing one another in song. Okay? We sing the rich word of Christ, and we sing it to each other. We need to hear each other sing. Our singing flows out of a belief that the gospel is really true. And we sing to encourage each other to believe it all the more. Church is a good place to come and hear the gospel and be reminded of it over and over. We need that. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're not going to feel like singing. Did you know that? <laughs> Let's just say it. It happens to me. Sometimes I come in here and I don't feel like singing. Why? Because I probably had a crappy day. It was probably because of my own doing. It happens sometimes, doesn't it? And, and there are many reasons why we may not want to sing. But it is a command. There's 50 direct commands in the Old Testament about singing. So we already know we, we need to be doing it. And it's about a good thing, the gospel. Um, but let's just talk about some of these practical reasons why you may not want to sing. Maybe you're a little self-conscious about your singing voice. Did you hear me? Maybe I mumbled. Maybe you're a little self-conscious about your singing voice. Okay, well I have some good news for you. There's no mandate in scripture about having a good singing voice. Okay, maybe that's a worldly thing <laughs> that you need to have a good singing voice to sing out loud or when people are listening. But that is not a scriptural thing. What does the Bible say? You probably know where I'm going with this. Make a joyful noise. Doesn't it? Doesn't have to be in tune. <laughs> Seriously, we are not singing to make a big deal about how good we sound. We are singing to because we are agreeing on the gospel together. It's the best news all the time, no matter what. That's the big deal. We sing and we demonstrate unity with one another and agreement. We demonstrate that we're here for each other 
And listen, God would rather have us sing with authenticity, sing the gospel with authenticity and be out of key, than to be pitch perfect and care more about what we sound like than the fact that we're saved. Does that make sense? We need to stop thinking about that. Life is a lot bigger than that. (laughs) And maybe that's easier said than done, right? It's a group thing. We're all involved. We're not trying to make this into a concert. And if we ever do that by accident, we're going we're gonna to stop it, okay? That's not what we're going for. This is a group thing. And it's, it's corporate worship. It's how we fulfill the command to sing together. Now, maybe you would say, well, I, just don't, like, I don't like to sing. Okay. I don't enjoy it. I have a question for you, and, and this is, it'll sound funny, it will, but it's not, it, it's serious. Like, uh, do you enjoy anything? <laughs> See, I know you enjoy something, right? Maybe there's a select few of us who are still trying to scratch the, the earth and find something that we really like. But I think most of us, if, we, if we're honest, we like things, we enjoy things, okay, and, and we might get a little excited about that. Let's just I mean, like a football game. Some of us like football. Some of us really like soccer. Okay? And that's fine. What about, uh, you know, a concert or a graduation? Like, uh, you know, when someone you know has made this accomplishment, they're a senior or they're graduating college or they're graduating preschool. We can hoot and holler at a preschool graduation as we should. You guys ever been to the Pilgrim Cup? We can make some noise at the Pilgrim Cup. Unless we're directed to sing the national anthem, in which case everybody shuts up very quickly. (laughs) I don't know if they do that anymore, but the last time we did this sermon, I had that same illustration, and I just observed that. Like, hey, let's sing as the band leads us in the national anthem. And it was like, we kind of started, maybe a few of them did, and then suddenly, nope, we're not doing that. (laughs) Which is fine. I think we're supposed to just do this, right? Just listen to it. Gonna get off track real quick. So the the point is, like, like here here's a good example. Like when my daughters were a little bit younger, just a little bit because they're not very old, but a little bit younger, uh, doing uh, softball, you know, and the the coach has to bring the little tee out. We all know why the tee is there because I couldn't hit it from the coach. That's fine. Whatever, you got to learn, right? But then, you know, they just kind of, you know, they swing and completely miss, and then they just kind of barely nick the ball, and it falls off. And then, But the sound that the family makes when that little ball comes off and they start running to that first base, you would think they hit it out of the park, right? <laughs> and I love that. I think God built that into us. That is good stuff. And I think that everybody has something like that. It may be big, it might be small, but it's something that brings you excitement and gets you going and gets you to vocalize about it, all right? So how much more should we make a joyful noise about the gospel? Because no matter how good those things are, they can't compare to how good the gospel is. Seriously. Like, can we really compare it to anything? In Christ, we are free and we shouldn't be. Like, you're not going to have to go to hell. Amen, somebody. Like, you're not just getting, you're just not missing out on a punishment. You're actually going to something that is so good, we can't imagine it. What no mind has seen, what no ear has heard, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 
the words of Paul. Nothing we can see can compare. So, you see what I mean? Like, you don't have to be able to carry a tune to get excited about that. And you should get excited about that. It's a group thing. It's one of the marks of being a Christian. We should not be spectators when the body of Christ gathers to sing out the gospel. So I just want to encourage you, please, when we're singing, join in. And join in loud. It's not just because we're trying to like manipulate anybody. It's just we know the gospel is that good. We want everybody to know it and believe it and vocalize about it. Yell it if you have to. Just but <laughs> You know what I mean? There's a, there's a phrase that I say a lot. It comes from a cartoon. With your hearts fire. That's all I'm going to say about that. I just gave you way too much information about myself. <laughs> My mind is a cartoon. That's all I have to say. All right. Seriously, though, we need to join in and sing together. So um, now one other thing, though, one thing that might keep you from singing, and it's a serious thing, uh, is that maybe you're just going through something really difficult. Maybe it's hard to get the words out. And it's hard to believe what you're singing. Yeah, I, can, I can get that. And I think you get that, too. So we had this last song that we did, Lord, from sorrows deep I call. I noticed uh, that almost was one of the loudest songs of the entire morning. Uh, one of the lines in there is, for so long I've pled and prayed, God, come to my rescue. And even so, a thorn remains. That comes from Psalm 42. It's a psalm of lament. It's crying out to God in a desperate time. And it gives you permission to acknowledge your pain and give it to him. Because he knows already. He's not blind to it. Sometimes it feels like he is, but he's not. He's not some, somewhere far off in the distance. He's at the star at the same time as he is right here, right now. He sees every little detail. And he hurts with you. He knows. He doesn't shy away from that. So it's appropriate that we give that to him. But look what the psalmist does. The psalmist, in Psalm 42, he says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Why? Why can, why can the psalmist do that when things are so difficult? Well, let's think about this. Does God always change our circumstances? You're like, David, I thought you were going to encourage me here. <laughs> Does he? He doesn't. Sometimes you hear people say that he, he does promise to change your circumstances or whatever, and he, he doesn't. Okay? Sorry. He, he uh, doesn't promise to do everything that you want. And that hurts sometimes, and that doesn't mean that we understand it, but that's not what he says. What does he always promise? To be there with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you even to the end of the age. That was from the Great Commission when Jesus was talking to his disciples. I'll never leave you. And they went through, went through some pretty awful stuff. And no matter how things turn out on the earth, the gospel is still true for you. No matter what the devil throws at you in this life, you have a sure hope in Jesus that you will be permanently safe with him in the end. So that's a hope that's not rooted in your circumstances. Because your circumstances, they change for the worst. 
in an instant, don't they? I'm looking at some people. I know. Things change for the worse just like that. But what will never change is the gospel. This world stinks, and it stinks a lot, and it's going to keep stinking until Jesus comes back. But the gospel is not going to change. So this is a great example of how we can teach and admonish each other in song with, the, with just the gospel, especially when things are really hard. We need this for each other. Think about how encouraging it is when you know somebody's going through something really bad, and yet they're still singing. They're still singing truth. Like, what does that do for you? What a testimony that is. And we need to know that how encouraging we can be for each other. Just in that aspect. And then, so I need to hear your voice. And you need to hear mine. Not because I'm a particularly good singer, if I can get the words out. That's not the point. The point is that it's, this is an opportunity to hold each other up. So um, this is why it's important to make sure that our songs aren't just based on circumstances, you know, because they change. Our feelings change. We need to have songs that are saturated in something that's never going to change in the gospel. And it doesn't mean we never sing about circumstances. Like, like Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call is a great example of that. Man, sometimes you just got to cry out to God. You got to do it. But I, it, we always want to be led back to what's our sure hope right now. Right now, it's the gospel. That's what we stand on. And we pray, and we pray that God will meet the need right now. We pray that he will. But if he doesn't, we still know he's good. He's proved it. He's good. We are not. That's what makes the gospel good all the time. Okay. Well, that leads us to our last uh, important element in our singing, and that is the attitude with which we sing as often as we can. So look at that verse one more time at the end of Colossians 3.16. We are to sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Thankfulness in our hearts to God. As we think about the gospel and what it means for us and how we relate to God, it produces something in us. At least it should. Thankfulness. Gratitude. And uh, so we aren't just singing to each other, although I think many times that's a part that's missing. Sometimes we forget, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be singing so that I can teach somebody else about God. That is primary purpose, but there's also a purpose of just singing to the Lord. If it's not coming from our heart to the Lord, then, well, we just have some adjusting to do. The gospel elicits thanksgiving, and it's contagious. I'm going to give you some examples of how I know this is contagious. Because like, when we do a song like Man of Sorrows, and we get to this thing called the bridge where it says, now my debt is paid. It's paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the Son sets free. Come on. Because I might have a bad morning or a bad week. And you will too. And you're going to wonder, man, does this curse of sin still have a hold on me? And as long as you still feel bad about it and you keep going back to the Lord and repenting about it, no, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Ah, yeah. There's a reason why we get loud during that part. We relate to it. And it's the rich word of Christ. Man, we got to have that. 
got to have that. What about like earlier when we sang, oh, praise the name, right? On the third at break of dawn, the son of heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the king. Oh, praise the name. And it says in there, for endless days we will sing your praise. Every time we sing that, I think of heaven. Endless days where you're never going to get tired of the same old, same old, (laughs) because the same old is so good. Right? Yeah? I hope you're looking forward to that. It's not going to be a drag. (laughs) It's going to be good. There's an alternative. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Come on, man. Forever with the Lord. Redeemed. Free of all selfish motive or anything like that. It's all rooted in the word of Christ. And I could, I could name off some other examples of that. Like I can just tell we start to get loud at points in the song like that. And that is awesome. And I know the Lord is pleased in that because he's pleased by faith. We believe that. So, um, and sometimes it gets me all choked up to the point where I can't sing. So those moments where I start to squeak a little bit and there's no more words. Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, literally sometimes it just happens and I, I can't get a hold of myself. And I think you know what that's like. It's when God's word touches your heart and it becomes real. That's what it's all about. That's what we are all about. So um, it produces something in us. It's thankfulness. Um, And we're getting ready to sing another song uh, based on Colossians 3.16. You know, just, well, I say based on Colossians 3.16. They all are. Uh, this song is yet not I, but through Christ in me. And uh, I want you to be thinking of this verse as we sing it. I want you to be thinking of the gospel. Recognize it. Soak it in. Okay? Recognize how you get strength in difficult times from it. Recognize how it fulfills your deepest need. Your deepest need is forgiveness of your sins. And you need to rejoice in the fact that the price for forgiveness has been paid. And now, right now, you have a home waiting for you in heaven. No matter how bad it is, and I know it's bad sometimes. That's true of you. So, so let's be singing together, okay? Let's let that thankfulness come out of our voices, both to the Lord and to each other. And I want to encourage you to do this all the more. I've noticed, I think we've grown a lot in this. And let's just keep it up. Okay? So again, the primary content needs to be the word of Christ. It can be other things, but it always leads us back to the word of Christ. That's what we're trying to do here. Every Tuesday in staff meeting, we're talking about the service and like, all right, did did we do that? And if not, well, how how do we fix that? How do we get better at it? And... um, so, anyway, now you know what we're all about in worship, okay? <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray as the worship team comes up and gets ready. Father, thank you for the gospel. Lord, help us to remember truth. Help us to remember what we were before you. And I, I do pray for anyone in this room that's just feeling like, man, I just... I don't measure up to God's standard. I pray that you would just touch their heart and say, I know. And that's why the gospel's here. That's because you love us despite us. And that doesn't make sense. 
That's who you are. You are love. And you've shown us that. You don't have to do anything else. We see your love in the cross. And in our living Savior, who lives to intercede for us at the right hand. He's our advocate. He goes to bat for us. And you have perfect agreement with Jesus when he comes and he, and he intercedes. Like, there's no argument there. We are loved. We are forgiven in Jesus. And so, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your word. Change our hearts, Lord. Help us sing. Help us sing out loud, so loud, because you are worthy of our praise, Lord. You're worthy not just of the words that we sing, but our lives. Every second we're alive. You are so kind. Help us, Lord, because we struggle with that sometimes. But you are, you're patient too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.